Hey everybody, it's me, Dr. Fuck. And I'm the actual alcoholic. And we're here to say congratulations to the Deathable Geek Podcast for their 300th episode. What do you think of that, Ian? Wow, I know. And only 260 of them were on Ugly Kid Joe. And you know what? Uh, and three other, 300 of them doesn't feature me. Oh, man. And and I've been listening religiously to this recently. And uh, boy, you're always Geek of the Week, but I never am. But I'm not complaining because I am just so grateful for their amazing broadcast skills that it's okay. I'll take yes. the hit. Yes, I want to thank the amazing Chris Zinzak. He has done so much for the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. And Aaron Camaro. And Aaron Camaro, but uh, specifically uh, Chris Zinzak for all he's done behind the scenes, and Aaron Camaro for being an awesome friend as well, who will soon be on the Rock and yeah, Metal I, Combat I, podcast. Yeah, I love Aaron Camaro. I mean, my only problem with him is that he doesn't like doing our show that much, like Siznak. I mean, I hope that changes one day. <laughs> I hope one day he'll want to do our show again. We're going to get a little bit more Aaron Camaro. We love you, Aaron Camaro. Oh, my God. Did we not have the best time at Casa de la Decibel Geek? Hey, you're drunk, man. We, they said less than a minute, okay? Let's just say congratulations be over with. Oh, okay. Way to go, Decibel Geek. 300 episodes. That's amazing. You are pioneers. Yeah, and 300 more of quality shit. Thank you. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. All right, it's Dr. Fuck, and with me as always... Oh, yeah! That alcoholic that you just cannot help love. The adorable Wadzilla. That's true. It's very true. Now it's time to review. And I, every time we start a review, I always pick a year. I don't, I'm, not, I'm always not sure, but I'll, I'll, I'll pick a year here. Uh, 1987? Yes, sir. Oh, man. I've been on a roll, dude. 1987 Lizzie Borden album, Visual Eyes. And Ian, who do we have with us? Oh my god. We have the Golden Throat, the star of Decimal Geek Podcast, the true intimidator. Uh you, you know, you know, fuck that race car guy. This is the real intimidator, the one and only Aaron Camaro. Yeah. What's up guys, man? It's awesome to be back on the show with you and what an awesome album you picked for me to be on here. I love this one. It, it, it's worth the wait. We love having you on the show. We're so, I can't believe this is only your second appearance and we let, you know, the your Pollock buddy on here like four times. Wow. Uh but uh but yeah, dude, I knew we had to have you on for for Lizzie Borden. And I want to thank Tim Bream for not only donating to the Rock and Pot Expo, uh but for giving me an awesome uh selection of albums to pick from and i think i made the right choice so aaron why don't you tell us a little bit about you know how you discovered lizzie borden and what they mean to you right on well first off awesome on tim for picking this album or giving this one as a selection anyway because it's it's one of my all-time favorites i really love this one a lot i got into lizzie <coughs> borden, as in most cases with me my awesome uncle bruce yes uncle bruce 
He had, I mean, this guy, my Uncle Bruce now at this point, he has no idea, but through the world of rock and roll podcasting and for how many stories and people say, well, how'd you get into this band? How'd you get into that band? My Uncle Bruce is pretty legendary in Decibel Geek Circles, and this is just oh, another yes. case of that. He had the double album and the VHS of the Murderous Metal Roadshow. And I got a hold of that. I borrowed the VHS from him and watched it one time and was just like, holy shit. You know, it's like Kiss and it's like Alice Cooper and it's like, you know, all these different things all mixed together <laughs> with one band, you know, and it's it's theatrical and it's scary, you know, and he's kind of like Ozzy, but, you know, he kind of reminds me of Gene Simmons in a lot of ways too. And man, can the guy sing and the guitar playing's awesome. Amazing. Hot chick in the concert footage, all of it. He's got it all. So then I get the double album from him, you know, because then at that point I'm starting to buy his old record collection. And Lizzie Borden was stuff that I snatched up right away. What and, year is this that you're into him? Oh, man, it's got to be right around the time, I guess. I'm pretty young. So <laughs> probably I'd say right around this time, I guess, is when I'm first probably discovering him is around yeah, 87, well, I guess. Yeah, Murderous came out in 86. So, yeah, it makes sense you got it around 87. Yeah, because I remember that was one where I kept forgetting to bring back his VHS because I liked <laughs> it so much. I'd watch it over and over again, you know, in rotation with like, you know, Kiss Exposed and stuff like that. Oh, hell and, yeah. Uh, so then finally he comes and he goes, hey, you got to bring me my tape back, you know. So that tells me it must have been pretty new to him because he really wanted it back. So I gave it back to him. Eventually, I'd buy it back from him, like, maybe a year later. But I had the album. That <laughs> so then I had uh, the Terrorizing EP on a cassette tape. And then I ended up with, let's see, I, then I got this on a cassette tape. And I think this was something maybe my Aunt Pam bought for me. They probably begged her for it because it was new. I must have saw it. I was like, I got to have it. Please, please. And I had my cool uncle, you know, and I also had my cool aunt, you know, and she would buy me records when I saw them and really liked them. Would no, let me sit at her house and watch MTV and all that good stuff. So this was something, the Visual Lies album, I'm pretty familiar with it. I've been listening to it for years. Nice. Ralph, how about you? Uh, the first time I ever heard of Lizzie Borden was one of those uh, Metal Massacre albums that I owned. Yeah. They had uh, Rod of Iron. Uh, which yeah. is an amazing fucking Lizzie Borden song. So I, I went out uh, looking for some Lizzie Borden stuff, and uh, the first one that I found was um, uh, Love You to Pieces. Because uh, I couldn't, and then later I found Give Them the Axe. Uh, I, uh, yes, I bought the Murders uh, Metal Roadshow. I, I never had the vinyl, but I did have the VHS. Uh, and, um,. I became a fan ever since, you know, and uh, and I was lucky enough to see them live once. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, they they opened for Ingve and 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 Boynton Beach and. Uh, what Yngwie, year was that? Uh, I would say 2000, maybe. Oh, okay. Around there, 2000, 2001, and um, yeah, uh, Ingve and I love Ingve Malmsteen. I have nothing against Ingve. I like seeing them live and stuff, but. It was so loud in there that I couldn't make it out. And that's when he had Jorn as their singer, uh, for anybody that knows Jorn. Right. And, uh, who ended up punching Ingve, I heard. That's a urban legend. 
Oh, and wow. So I ended up leaving because I couldn't take it no more. I couldn't hear anything. And uh, lo and behold, there's a couple people around Lizzie Borden's bus. And I was like, oh, shit, there, there's Lizzie Borden. And I got to get a picture with him and got to talk to him a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of... Uh, he kind of lost me with Master of Disguise, and I really don't know much after, after that. Uh, but, you know, uh, my favorite is Visual Eyes and um, Menace to Society. I, I love a lot. I love that one a lot. Yeah, it's good, too. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm a big Lizzie Borden fan, you know, and um, from back in the day. But, yeah, I got to admit, I, I lost touch with uh, his later stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I love it. And uh, and I own this on vinyl. I own, uh, I own uh, Menace to Society. I have uh, Love to Pieces and Give Them the Axe all on vinyl. They're very rare now. And also visualize that on vinyl. Sweet. Uh, I don't have Terror Rising, though, but I have it on uh, MP3. But uh, how about you, Ian? Uh, well, th- this is a band I was made aware of through, like, Hit Parader. You know, because, I mean, growing up in the Midwest as a Midwest metalhead, uh you know, there was no internet back then. You know, there was Hit Parader and fucking Circus and all that shit. And I saw pictures of them, but I never remember seeing, like, Lizzie Borden videos on MTV. Uh, I mean, like, ever. I would see them in the magazines, but I never saw them uh, on MTV. And that was a big deal back then. I mean, I mean, as a teenager, when I'm getting into it, and I'm surprised that... I didn't get it because I was so into like, you know, shock rock and theatrical rock. I mean, I love Kiss, love Alice Cooper, you know, shit like that. Any any band that had like a stage, you know, show or presence like that, uh, I, I was into. And I would see pictures of these guys, but like nobody I knew had a Lizzie Borden album. Uh, didn't see them on MTV. And the one thing, and I, I know this sounds so stupid, but back then... They weren't on a major label. And I was kind of a snob back then because I'd bought a couple bands, you know, that were on indie labels. And normally back then, I didn't like them. Yeah. You know, and it's bands that I love now. Like, I remember King Diamond. I bought Abigail just because I wanted anything that was, like, evil and dark and satanic. I mean, I wasn't a Satanist, but I just liked dark shit. I was attracted to it. And, uh... And, and and I hated it. I hated it. I mean, I mean, I love it now. But you know, as a, as a teenager, you know, I was like twelve or thirteen. I was like, uh, uh-uh, no. <laughs> you know, so I, I kind of looked at it like if you weren't on a major label, if you were on like one of these weird like Metal Blade or Road Racer, and I would always look at shit like that. I mean, because I was I was really a nerd like that. I'd pay attention. To what label are you on? You know, who produced this? You know, I followed shit like that, and. I always took it as a sign because none of my friends had this shit. I didn't see it on MTV, and they weren't on a major label. I was like, ah, there, there must be a reason. They must not be that good. And then when I saw Decline of the Western Civilization, and they do Born to be Wild. Yeah. Of, of also, I, to, to me, I really think that, kill, that killed this band. Uh, because... They could have done one of their originals in that, and especially now, like getting more familiar with their catalog. They, if they would have done "Me Against the World" in that movie, I, I think it would have turned so turned many more people so on many. than you know 
uh, doing fucking Born to be Wild. I was like, oh, how boring. Right. And, and I never got to see uh, the VHS that you guys uh, saw. So I have no idea about their show. You know, like I knew what a Wasp show looked like. You know, I knew what Alice Cooper was like. I knew what all these other, you know, I knew what a Kiss show was like. I had no idea about Lizzie Borden. So I was always under the impression of, well, it just must not be that good or I would know more about it. But doing research for this, and, and this is one of those things like, you know, I've got so many albums from from the, the dear uh, Mr. X. And I have every Lizzie Borden release on, on my PAM, uh, which I call my laptop, which is porn and music. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have all the EPs, all the singles, all the studio albums. But I never got around to checking them out because I always figured, well, there must be something wrong with it. And then we're like, okay, we're going to do this. Listen to this album. I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to punch myself because, like, how did I miss this? Because it was, it was like the coolest time warp ever because I'm listening to this album and I'm thinking, like, holy fucking 80s. This is awesome. <laughs> you know? And it was, it was like a time machine. It's like, oh, Oh, the, the themes of, hey, hey, of, of Ian, isolation. Ian, Ian, you sound like a robot now. There's some, some weird sound coming through. Can you hear me now? Yeah, it sounds weird, dude. It sounds like a robot. Yeah. It sounds terrible. All right, well, let me see. Can I... You want me to hang out and call you back? Yeah, it sounds yeah. the same on my end. Change. You sound horrible too, Sisnek. I mean, Aaron. What not us? Then maybe. Oh, uh, now, now you both sound like robots. Are you recording in? Yes, I'm recording. I'll send you my copy. Okay, now you sound fine. Okay. All right, All keep right. going. Yeah, just send me your copy. Okay, but uh, but yeah, man, I, I couldn't have been more wrong, and I feel like I missed out on like years. I could have been listening to this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh. You know, and now I want I want to go deeper into the into their catalog, and you know, after we discuss the album, I'm going to ask both of you your opinions of where I should go next after this one. But uh, Aaron, you are our star-studded guest, so why don't you take the opening track, which is "Me Against the World." Man, I love this song. This is. Talk about great songs, not just on this album. This is one of my all-time favorite songs. I mean, it's got everything. It's got everything. It's It's got that anthem kind of style to it. It's uplifting. It's heavy. It's, I mean, it's almost a perfect rock song. It's, it's one of the greatest things I've ever heard. When I got this album, that's the opening track right there. It's like... Boom, right there. It's like, wow, is this great. I love everything about it, except maybe the video. Video's a little weird, but I love the song. Can't never seen the video. Oh, the vid- the, the, when you were talking about it, they never had a video, that video was constantly shown at Headbangers Ball at that time. Right. In yes. 87. And then there, there was a video for Master Disguise afterwards. But yeah, before Me Against the World, there was no videos on MTV of Easy Gordon. No, this was the first one, the first thing I ever seen on TV of them, other than, you know, like I said, my Uncle Bruce's VHS. And, you know, again, you look back on it and you think, what a great band. First of all, Lizzie Borden, I don't think people really give it its due because 
of the way the guys in the band looked, the way Lizzie Borden was. I agree. I agree. Theatrics, you know, the way he looks in that video. So he's on MTV. You know, it's it's 87, 88. And he's got, you know, the silver. I mean, he's all done up. His hair's all crazy. He's got long silver fingernails and all this stuff. And he's jumping around and looking scary and stuff. I just don't think people knew how to take something like Lizzie Borden. Because as we go through the songs on this album, one thing you're going to see is that all these songs are something that you're going to realize are way deeper than your probably initial reaction if you don't know Lizzie Borden enough to get into the music. The the image and the music doesn't match up a lot of times. So if you had somebody that was in, say, Kiss, because of the theatrics, you know, but just like the simple rock, rock songs, they'd look at Lizzie Borden and say, oh, I'm going to like this, and then listen to the music, and maybe it would be a little too much for them. You know what I mean? And then you would have somebody that was into like uh, some prog rock or some thrash or something heavier or something deeper and would hear the songs and say, wow, this is really cool. I like this a lot. And then see a picture of the band and be like, oh, man, that's weird. So I think Lizzie Borden was kind of he had he double crossed himself in a lot of ways by not being able to pin it down, even within the music itself. There's so many different things going on in these songs that it's hard to pin it down and say, well, it's this or it's that, you know, this could be a hit single, but it's a little weird, you know? And so Lizzie Borden, that's, I think, the reason why this band gets overlooked is because they're so hard to pin down as to what they actually are. And, you know, Me Against the World, great opening track, great way to kick off the album, just a kick in the ass all around. I love it. Great stuff. All right, Ralph, what do you think? Yeah, it's a classic, and, and, and Aaron hit the nail on the head. Um, see, I, I first got this album before I ever saw the video, because I, I never thought that MTV would ever show a Lizzie Borden video. Right. But, you know, I, I saw the album at the store. I bought it. And uh, then one night, I'm watching Headbangers Ball, and all of a sudden, this video comes on. I'm like, holy fuck, Lizzie Borden's got a video. And then I was like, holy fuck, look at Lizzie Borden. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I mean, he looked terrible. He's, he's got a silver cape, silver yeah. face, his hair is silver. It just looks so goofy. And I, right there, I was horrified. I was like, fuck, dude, this is such a great song. And now it's not going to stand a fucking chance with the general public. I knew it right then. See, if he would have like, I don't know, looked somewhat normal or looked like his bandmates at least. Um, cause this song screams, I am better than poison. I'm better than Bon Jovi. I'm better than all this crap that you guys are loving because they're pretty, you know? So of course it's not going to appeal to people like that. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, uh, if Motley Crue, everybody in Motley Crue look like Mick Mars, you know, and they're out yeah. there singing fucking looks that kill. It wouldn't have had the same impact. You know, it would, everybody would have been, Oh, this sucks. You know, but uh, they had, you know, Vince Neil and Tommy and Nikki. <clears throat> That's why I hate our Facebook page so much. I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, and it's further proof that the 80s was the decade of hearing music with your eyes, not yep. ears. Because this is a great fucking song. And with the right push and directing the video, this could have been a staple in the annals of 80s traditional metal. 
yep. has everything going for it musically and lyrically. It has the whole, you know, um, rebellious and I am, I'm me type thing. Like, you know, I'm, you know, kind of like the Twisted Sister philosophy, the Triumph philosophy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, to be, yes. pro- be proud of yourself, you know, and. Um, but the, the video killed it. It was just, oh man. And I remember watching it, man. The first initial, I was like, fuck! You know, they, they, you know, they, this great song is on MTV now, and and then they, then like every week, MTV was playing it for months. I was like, stop playing this shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was pissing me off, you know. It was like, what the fuck is this? But the song itself is a fucking classic, and it's one of his best songs. It is his like, you know, his anthem song. I think if you know, if anybody knows, if anybody's a casual. Lizzie, uh, Lizzie Borden fan that only knows a little bit about him, they know this song, you know, and uh, I love this song. I love his, I love his voice on it. I love the, the, the tempo of the tune. It's just a great traditional metal song that uh, unfortunately was released in the 80s when people viewed shit with their, listened to shit with their eyes, like little Ian. Yeah. All right, Ian, what do you think of this song? Well, here's a weird thing is I know this song from somewhere, but I can't place it. And, and it's like, oh, you, may- you, this is where you heard it. You heard it on MTV. You may- were a may- child. You were a may- child. You saw the video. It traumatized you and you can't, <laughs> and you can't remember it now. And, 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 and well, maybe- otherwise it, it was in the, uh, the black roses soundtrack for that yes, movie. Yes. The yeah. Horror- the horrible, the horrible movie. Horrible movie. movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, Black Rose. Oh my! God. I was so excited when that came out because I was like, "Yes, another heavy metal horror movie." Because to me, I, I love Trick or Treat so much. Yeah. I was like, "I was like, oh, another uh, great uh, heavy metal horror movie," and it was so shitty, so yeah. shitty. And maybe that's where I know it from. Because honestly, like I hear you guys talk about this, and I, I don't know if I blacked it out or I'm just like. You know, back then, I, you know, I'd sniffed a lot of rubber cement, so I don't know if, you know, that's why I don't remember, but I don't recall seeing this. And the, and the thing was, you know, with visual shit, I remember seeing Alice Cooper videos. I remember seeing what his show was like. I remember seeing what a Wasp show was like and, and Kiss, but I have no idea. Like, I would love to watch this uh, VHS you guys saw, the Murderous Rock Show or whatever. It's on, it's on, it's on DVD. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it was released on DVD too. with a really cool uh, bonus feature of John Bush interviewing Lizzie Borden. I mean, I, I would like to get because I mean, what what was their stage show like? I mean, I mean, was yeah, it like it was, it was theatrical? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it was a little. It's a, it was a little Wasp, a little Alice Cooper, a little Kiss. You know, I all mean, that stuff. All you, have, you have to also have to remember it was you know they didn't have a lot of money, so they they worked with what they had. Right. You know? Yeah. It was right. Like, and, I, I, I think you know there, there's a there's a lot of things that hurt it at the time. Like I love the song, I love the song, but you know, looking at the band, okay, a they're not pretty, <laughs> you know. But I think like maybe they weren't as dirty as Wasp because Wasp had this whole stigma, you know, that the animal fuck like a beast. I mean, that was a big thing. Like everybody, like even if you didn't know Wasp or listen to Wasp, you knew that there was a song out there called animal fuck like a beast so maybe they weren't dirty enough but then again you know for the other people they weren't pretty enough but when i listen to this i'm like 
holy shit, here, I, you know, and I'm putting it in a time frame, 1987. This is a traditional metal song coming at a time when everything is moving the Bon Jovi route, where it's yes. all about, you know, the, the, the hooks and the pretty boys. Uh, but this is a band that's playing traditional fucking metal. And yes, it, it does, in my opinion, borrow a lot from... Uh, you know what I consider the, the twisted sister vein, where you have the gang vocals, you have the positive lyrics about you know about overcoming your oppressors and people who think you're weird, uh, which I think is very important in metal because you know most metal fans, especially back then, you were the outcast because if you wore a metal shirt, you were judged. I've said this many times. Like if you wore a metal shirt when I was going to school. Not only were you judged for that, let alone, God, if you wore a thrash t-shirt, if you wore a Metallica t-shirt at my school, you were like the, the, the fucking scumbag of the scumbag. Yes. Because that was, that was thrash metal. Then you fast forward to the Black Album, and everybody on the football team likes this shit. You know, but before the Black Album, oh my God, you know, yes. if you had a Megadeth shirt or a fucking Metallica shirt or a Slayer shirt. Ozzy. And, yeah, all, all that shit. Ozzy was a little bit more accepted, but goddamn, if you wore a thrash shirt, there is no way a good-looking chick would talk to you. No, no, but, <laughs> yeah. dude, Ozzy, you know, Ozzy, uh, uh, Diary of a Madman era, dude, that was scumbag shirt. It was a fucking picture of a fucking knight holding a decapitated head of Ozzy. Trust me, that was yeah. scumbag apparel yeah. back then. You know, and I, I think I, I, I talked about this before. I wore a. Uh, a Megadeth shirt in Home Ec Shop, and it was uh, the Mary Jane. It was Vic Rattlehead reaching over a tombstone that said Mary Jane. And I got a D on uh, what I had. Like, everybody had to make something. And I'm so lazy. I waited the last day. I felt bad for my partner because we had to partner up. And I was like, okay, we're going to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. How can we fuck this up? And I got a D. And I, I told the teacher, I'm like, how can I get a fucking D? We made a peanut butter jelly sandwich. How can you fuck that up? She goes, you wore a, a drug shirt. I'm like, what? Oh. And, and it was Mary Jane. And I, and as a freshman, I didn't even know that Mary Jane was a slang for marijuana. That's how, like, fucking clueless like, I, I was. Find me some of this Mary yeah, Jane. Yeah, like, I, I didn't know. <laughs> but then again, I'm the same guy that smoked tomato plant for a month thinking it was marijuana, you know, <laughs> a couple months later. Like, oh, that shit just gives me a headache. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things. This is a band that kind of came out at a weird time. If they, I think if they would have came out earlier, they would have they, they would have done better because this is a traditional metal song and an anthem at its fucking finest. And, and they know who they're speaking to. They're speaking to the fucking outcasts. It's me against the world. And not only, I, I mean, it's it's a simple subject and a simple topic, but it's done so effectively to great hard rock music. I mean, this is really a good fucking track that should be held in much higher esteem than it is. I, I love this song. A oh, great, definitely. great fucking track. Ralph, what do you think about the next song, Shock? Uh, this one I love. I love this tune. This is a great tune. A <clears throat> good time feel song. It's catchy. Uh, I love uh, his voice. He's got such a cool, unique voice. 
that it stands out from the pack. And that's another thing I really did like about Lizzie Borden back in the day. <clears throat> I always looked for, you know, like you, like what you were saying earlier about, oh, if it's not on a major label, I didn't really care. Uh, I was kind of like the opposite. Like when I discovered Merciful Fate, <clears throat> that was my goal to find everything. Because I knew, you know, I was into Slayer when they were on Metal Blade. I was right. into, you know, uh, Metallica when they were on Megaforce. You know what I mean? Everything in Anthrax and all that shit. Everything that was like, if it was on Metal Blade, I had to get it. If it was on Combat Records, I had to get it. You know, so, Road Racer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Road Racer, uh, which became Road Runner. Uh, King Diamond was on the first yeah. Road Racer thing I ever bought was King Diamond. Remember that <laughs> when it had the black, the the Panther was a logo and it said yeah, Road yeah, Racer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. Toxic. Toxic was a band from that. Uh, uh, Annihilator was on Road Racer. There was a lot of good shit on Road, road Racer. Um, yeah, I think this is a great, great hooks in this song, and I love it. What do you think, Aaron? This was one that, you know, to me is somebody that, because I was into the earlier stuff, this one was a little weird and different. I mean, it's cool, but it's not what I kind of imagined Lizzie Borden being like. When I remember hearing this for the first time, it was like me against the world, boom. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, that's awesome. And then this one, and it's like, whoa, this is way different because it's more, I don't know, I guess listening back to it now with adult ears, you can kind of tell that, you know, this was 87. We're in the world of Bon Jovi. You know, Metallica and Guns N' Roses are right around the corner, but this is Bon Jovi time right now. And how many bands, like, changed their sound? Talk about, like, uh, Def Leppard and Y&T, Whitesnake, shit, even Kiss. You know, Kiss was right down that Bon Jovi road, too. And this one, I don't know if it was, like, maybe trying something a little bit different trying to maybe take a shot at that a little bit i think these guys are too musically gifted to lower themselves to that so if there's any kind of ballad anything on this album because back in 87 you had to have a ballad on the album this album doesn't have any ballads but this is definitely the lightest song on the album but it still kicks ass yeah it's a catchy little ditty it is totally uh, this is one of those, like, when, I, when I'm first, my first listen to this one, I know we're going to review this. This one comes on after Me Against the World, and I'm, I'm the same as you, Aaron. I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is so fucking silly, <laughs> you know? But then as, it, as I kept listening to the album, and that's why I think it's important when I review albums, you know, don't just listen to it once. Listen to it multiple times. See what opinions change. See which ones don't. And, and this is one, like, I initially laughed off, but then I was like, God damn it, there's something about this I really love that is so, that's why I call this album a time warp, because I feel like it's a lost album to me. It, it's something that I totally would have loved at, at, at that age, when this came out, like, yes, I would have been so into this, you know, but, uh, you, you know, going back and listening to it now at 43, I'm like, Oh god, you know, this is kind of cheesy. But the more and more I played, I was like, I fucking dig this shit, <laughs> you know, like, giving it back to you, <laughs> you know, like, oh yeah, I dig it, I dig it, and it made me feel like a fucking little kid again, and I liked it, and I felt that, you know, that old school, like, sense of rebellion, because I remember when I switched to, okay, now I'm a metalhead, 
I mean, that's that was a big deal because there's some friends who are like, wow, you're listening, you know, that's scumbag music, you know? And I lost friends over my new allegiance to heavy metal, but I didn't care. I didn't care. I couldn't get enough. It was like a fucking drug. When I first got into heavy metal, it was like, oh my God, this is, where has this been all my life? And then it was like, yeah. okay, now I need something a little bit heavier. Yeah. Now I need something darker. You know, it's, I had to keep feeding the fucking beast that was fucking heavy metal. And, you know, it is kind of of a, a simplistic song. It's one of those, you know, again, Twisted Sister-esque, uh, you know, us against them kind of songs. But, man, I just wish I would have heard this at that age. Because, you know, I could just see myself. I remember my room. I remember all the fucking posters I had in my room at that age quickly changing you know from like pictures of john cougar and fucking michael jackson to where now i got a black light poster of iron maiden you know and i got pictures of ozzy and shit like that you know there's like this evolution like this is who i am now and this this music you know like oh my god uh so this this is a prime example of why i pay so much attention when we're reviewing an album uh, especially when it's something I don't know like this. Like, give it some more love, because we'll get into this later in the album. There's there's songs that I drastically changed my opinion on. But this is one, uh, you know, I, I see what you're saying, Aaron, uh, where, you know, some aspects are a little light in the loafers, but there's other parts like, oh my God, this is such a, a teenage metal fan's dream. You know? Yeah, um, totally. All right, well, Aaron, this, this would definitely be Kristen's right, favorite well, song on the album. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure. Oh, oh, that guy. That, that guy. He thinks fucking Warren is death battle. True story. <laughs> All right, Aaron, what do you think about the third track on this Outcast? This is another one. Perfect song for a kid my age. Like you were just telling about how you discovered metal you know and then you really connected with it and it came to a point where you're like this is what i am i'm the same way you know like my my story lines right up with that too you know because it was the love and kiss and stuff when i was a little kid and then kind of you know getting away from it a little bit and then all of a sudden being reintroduced and it's now it's not just kiss it's all these other bands too and so to connect so strongly with it the way i did you know i wanted to look it i wanted to i wanted to feel like you know somebody that is a part of this you know and and i had friends that did too little by little and like you said after a while then it was everybody but then it was nobody after that so you know to be a part of that as it was coming up i remember being in like the camelot music looking at records and having older kids i remember one time this chick comes up and she's pretty you know and she's way older than me and she looks like a rock chick and she's got the dude with her and he's got long you know curly hair and he's got a denim vest you know and he's a badass looking dude and she's like hey baby check out this little rock and roll kid over here looking at these records and the dude's like what are you looking at i was like i was looking for fraley's comet and they're like oh man this kid is cool and i'm like that's it i'm this you know this is what i am now and a song like outcast is perfect for a kid that age who feels that way to listen to it and go man 
yeah, that's right. And I'm not ashamed of it. I am different and I am special, but it's cool and it makes me feel good. And I'm going to do what I feel like, not what everybody else seems to think that I should be. I want to be what makes me feel good. And this is a perfect song for that. On top of it, Lizzie Borden's vocals are awesome. The lyrics are kick-ass. The, I think one thing that's underlying on this whole album that really stands out for the first time as we're coming along and will reoccur as this album goes is the amazingly overlooked guitar duo of Gene Allen and Joe Holmes on this. Yes. The solo is two different solos. I mean, it's got that Judas Priest thing going on where you can tell who's playing what when the solo lays out. I love that, you know, because it's two different styles of playing coming together perfectly and fitting this song seamlessly. The guitar playing on this whole album is awesome. This song, the solo, really stands out to me. Amazing guitar playing. Great song, Outcast. I love it. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, I, I love it too. And, it, you know, this is one of those songs, you know, l- listening to this, again, it takes me back. Uh, to that young age. And I, I remember when I first started listening to metal and my best friend, it was kind of freaking him out because only dirtbags listen to metal. And there was one kid, I mean, and, and it's funny, you always hear that term, like the other side of the tracks. Like the only kid we knew that listened to metal literally lived on the other side of the railroad tracks, lived in a trailer with his mom, and his parents were divorced, which was kind of like, ooh, that's weird. You know, he comes from a broken home, but... I also came from a broken home. Uh, So I kind of like, you know, had an affiliation with this kid. Like, oh, we have something to identify about. But I remember walking to his bedroom and he had an Iron Maiden poster. And it was a Power Slave poster. Right on. And and it scared the shit out of me. But at the same time, I was intrigued by it. You know, it's like, it was scary. But I was like, there's something cool about it. But it seems dangerous, you know. But there was no other kids that listened to that shit. And then when I got into this, I remember getting flack from my best friend. And I'm listening at this time. When I first got in, it was all about Cinderella Night Songs and Kiss Asylum. That was like, oh my God, these are the albums. And my and my best friend giving me shit, Brian Panaris. And I'm like, hey, you know, it's not like I'm listening to Iron Maiden, <laughs> you know. But soon, I was listening to Iron Maiden. But... You know, as as my addiction and my obsession kept going, I did feel like an outcast because I didn't hide the fact that I love this shit. Like, like anybody I could talk to, I was like, oh my god, you have to hear heavy metal. You know, this is this is everything, and, and some people shunned me uh, for that. But I was so like into it, like, like there's no denial. You know, I, all I would do is preach fucking heavy metal, and it just kept getting heavier and heavier. So I definitely felt this. And I remember, like, in eighth grade, uh, that's when, like, everybody started, you know, growing their hair out. You know, it, w- it was cool then. Because not because now you got shit like Bon Jovi. So it's more acceptable. So all of us as kids, we started growing our hair out in eighth grade. And, and, and by that, I mean we had mullets. <laughs> right. <laughs> But then, but then you you fast forward to the summer in between eighth grade and freshman year, uh, a lot of a lot of the people cut their hair because like oh we're in high school now you know we got to you know high school girls we got to do this we can't do that and I remember so many of my friends cut their hair 
And I refused to. I'm like, no, fuck this shit. We're staying with metal. We're staying with metal. And I remember showing up like that first day of fucking school, freshman year. And all my friends have short haircuts. And I've got this fucking mullet from fucking hell. And I'm like, fuck you guys. You're all fucking posers. And I felt weird. And I actually had to adapt a new set of friends. Because all because you know, I took it personally. Like, you guys betrayed us. We were supposed to keep our hair. We were this. We were metal. And now I'm hanging out with the kids who hang out at the smoking circle. Because, yes, I'm that old, kids. There was an actual smoking circle at school for kids, <laughs> underage smokers. You had to go into this circle, a painted line. And there was a, uh, a smoking circle at my high school. Or, like, the real dirtbag kids, we used to be able to leave campus for lunch. And we right. go to a gas station, and 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 that's where you would, uh, you, you know, hang out and listen to metal. And that's the first time I heard "Injustice for All" by Metallica. I'll never forget it because we had the one kid. It was straight out of fucking Dazed and Confused. This kid like graduated like two years ago, but he would be at the gas station for lunch to hit on the high school girls who smoked, <laughs> which mean they, which means they fucked, and. I dropped acid for the first time, listened to Injustice for All, and then went back to school, and in the middle of typing class, I lost my shit and had to go home. Yeah, and I called my grandmother. I said, you got to come pick me up. Uh, I'm sick. And I went and locked myself in the bedroom and listened to the wall because I thought that's what you had to do when you took acid. <laughs> it is. Yeah, but I, I'll, I'll never forget, like, listening to Justice for All, like, oh, this is amazing. And then I go back to school, and all I hear is click, 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 click. I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. <laughs> you know? But Outcast, it, it speaks to it, it speaks to young children. And I think, that, <laughs> I, I, th I think it's important the same way, like, when we talked about, you know, Twisted Sister and how their lyrics are positive. Like, it may seem kind of jovial. And, uh, you know, kind of jokey in a way. But in another way, I think it's very positive and empowering to young children to realize, like, hey, if you're a little bit different, it's okay. And this is a positive uh, metal song that, like I said, like, like now to an adult like me being 43, you know, it may seem a little jokey. But you know what? There's like a 13-year-old kid out there that could hear this song, and now he doesn't feel out of place you know he feels like oh somebody understands me so songs like this are important even though it may seem like a joke to other people it's very important and it has a very powerful message i love outcast somebody understands me and yes. it's lizzie borden yes what do you think ralph i don't know about you guys but this shit still speaks to me man at my age um <clears throat> listen to you ian it's like god damn your generation was fucked bro and I guess oh, yeah. that, that smoking circle was like my generation you were going to. Because <clears throat> I never suffered that, oh, everybody cut their hair. I mean, they cut their hair later on when grunge came in. But I grew up with a bunch of metalheads that remained metal till I'd say not even grunge didn't even come in. It was about 1990, around painkiller. And, you know, I noticed a shift in people started like, you know, my age. <clears throat> where I kept my hair long, and this was way out of, you know, we were already out of school. And, uh, you know, they were growing up. They had to get a job, and they got the girlfriend, they got all this shit, where I was the outcast. But on top of that, even during my youth, 
uh, when I did have the metalhead uh, kids, I also had to go home to my parents. And I had a family that there was not any metalhead to be found. And I was perceived as the dirtbag, the black sheep, the long, cut your hair, cut your hair. I'd hear that every family gathering. And I, and I love hearing like when they'd go, oh man, you look like a fag. I go, no, actually, uh, fags look like you because I've never <laughs> seen, I've never seen gay people with long hair. They all have haircuts like you. You know, yeah, they all look like Tom Cruise. <laughs> exactly, and, and they all had Tom Cruise haircuts, which I found ironic. But <clears throat> uh, just to fast forward to today with my family, uh, my niece is my biggest fan. She goes to all my shows, and she's always bragging to my family. Oh my God, Uncle Ralphie is the greatest! And then uh, the last family gathering. I know I'm getting off topic here. Uh, this happened about maybe three weeks ago. Um, I, I, my, every time my, fa- my parents have a family gathering, they have kind of like this out, you know, they live in a house, a nice house, but there's a side to the house where there's a roof and it's kind of outdoors. And every time they have a family gathering, everybody's there. So when I get there, I walk in there. And this time when I walked in, this was about three, four weeks ago. I'm not lying. Everybody stood up and started clapping for me. And I'm like, what the fuck? And they all saw the video of me in Columbia. You know, performing in front of 8,000 people. And we saw the video of you. Oh, my God. I go, yeah, yeah, the dirtbag. Look what I've achieved, motherfucker. <laughs> look, at, look at me now, you know, the outcast. The outcast. Can you do that, you fucking Tom Cruise looking motherfucker? <laughs> so, you know, <clears throat> which is like uh, validated, you know. But uh, getting to the song, uh, it's a fucking winner. And uh, there are so many 80s songs like this, but not done right. This one is done right. It's a cool mid-tempo anthem for the metal community that was not brainwashed by thrash at the time and not brainwashed by glam at the time, um, which was me. You know, I was the kind, I was the guy that would go to a Slayer show in a Motley Crue shirt looking for a fight. You know, like, go ahead. Uh, anybody going to say something to me? Because I'd wear a shot at the devil. Uh, what is it? What's that guy's name? Um, Alistair Fiend. Alistair Fiend shirt, uh, you know, the one where he's on a tank, I had that shirt, and uh, nobody fucked with me, though, because I was fucking crazy looking back then, and I, well, I was that's, a That's because you're Cuban, they figured you had a knife. Well, everybody was Cuban down here, dude, remember that. Oh. <laughs> and uh, so, so, yeah, there was a lot of Cuban metalheads with knives that didn't fuck with me. <laughs> so awesome. uh, Yeah, so, and, and uh, I would be in the pit. You know, and when you go in the pit in the 80s, even today, I guess, you know, there's people that hit you on purpose, you know, right. in, in the pit, you know, just to get there. I never got hit on purpose. I got the only time I ever got hit in the pit was by a stage diver's fucking sneaker. You know, like I remember getting my my lip busted at a Flotsam and Jetsam show. <laughs> I mean, busted bad. You know, it's like, all right, stop, stop moshing near the stage. God damn it. You know, I, I, I got I got kicked in the balls. At a Pantera concert. And it was so funny. It was an old dude. He was, you know, like, you know, we're talking in the early 90s, this, like, vulgar display tour. And this guy's already in his 30s. He's like, I love this fucking music. He goes, but I don't understand this moshing. I don't, I don't, I don't get what you kids are doing. So I tried to describe to him moshing. And I'm like, yeah, you're being aggressive. You're not trying to hurt people, but you're dancing aggressively. So the music kicks in, and this guy just starts 
swinging arms and feet because <laughs> he's just trying to fit in. And he turns around and like drop kicks me right in the fucking nuts. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, or, or, or no, I'm, I'm sorry, I take this back. He kicked me right in the dick. And getting kicked in the dick ain't good, but it's better than the nuts, you know, because the nuts hurts a lot worse. But he dropped, kicked me right in the dick, and then he looked at me, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like coughing, I'm like, <laughs> it's okay. You didn't do it on purpose, <laughs> you know, you're learning. I, 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 I get this, but but you know what? I, I couldn't get mad at the guy because he's just trying to fit in. I mean, this was an older dude who is embracing this new style of fucking music and, and, and a new style of concert going. Like, you know, my father, the first club, I sh uh, uh, club show I saw was Iggy Pop. I'll never forget this. 1990 at the Riviera in Chicago. And, uh, you know, the show starts, of course, you know, you know I, I, I can't be lame. I got to get away from my dad. You know, I got to move up. So I'm standing up front and I jumped up on stage. Like the first song, Iggy's like, everybody jump up on stage. And I jump up on there, and I was too scared to stage dive. So I just, like, jumped off, like, a bunny hopped off the stage back into the crowd because I was too scared somebody would drop me. But then I see this big melee in the back, and I come to find out it's my fucking father who knows nothing about moshing. So when people start moshing, he started punching motherfuckers in the <laughs> face. I mean, he's just laying motherfuckers out like, bam, bam, fuck you. And we got thrown out of the show. You know, my dad's getting thrown out. My stepmom's with him. And we got to leave like three songs into fucking Iggy Pop. We get thrown out because my dad's punching people in the fucking mosh pit. Wow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so. I don't know where the fuck we're going with this, but I, I just had to share that story. But yeah, uh, it's, yeah, that, that sucked. <laughs> it was an outcast. Yeah. From Lizzie Borden. Yeah. He was an old school. All right. Well, we all talked about Outcast. <laughs> Aaron, what do you think about Den of Thieves? Oh, man. This is great. We're only four songs in so far. Amazing. I, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, Den of Thieves, it just, this album just keeps on going and keeps on going. It's, again, hard to pin down what is Lizzie Borden. This song starts out with a great freaking rift and then it drops off and then it slowly builds back up and I mean there are elements of prog rock in what's going on here on this album and even in a lot of other Lizzie Borden stuff. Sure there's some that are really straight up rockers but a song like Den of Thieves I mean there's some complicated shit going on in this song that again is way deeper than people's I say most people's conception of what Lizzie Borden is, if they have any conception of them at all. I mean, these songs musically are, you know, and you look at what's going on at the time with like Kiss doing Crazy Nights and Hysteria coming out and Bon Jovi world is going on around us in 87 at this time. And this is something that, I don't know, again, it comes back to, it looks, compared to Bon Jovi, compared to what Lizzie Borden band looks like compared to Bon Jovi and then the songs compared to Bon Jovi and you know there's elements of things that could grab the general public and Bon Jovi fans at the time but then there's other stuff going on in here that is way above anybody's head like this is some of this stuff like if if it wasn't for the other elements blended into it 
in a lot of ways, some of the prog rock I hear is just like over my head where it's like, well, I don't want to have to think about this music. I just want to enjoy it. And this has got moments of that where it, it gets right to the edge of that where it's like, oh, wait, it's almost going to get too complicated. But then it pulls back into a rock song again. But then it twists and it changes. And I mean, yeah, Lizzie Borden, it's it's visual lies. All right, because you look at it, you see one thing and then your ears tell you you've got something totally different here. And Den of Thieves is a great example of it. And that's, that's not, not a good, a good sign, sign for popularity, popularity in the 80s. Right, you know, and that's why, you know, Lizzie Borden never became a household name. Exactly. Uh, oh, goddamn, do I hear an echo. Who doesn't have their headphones on? I got mine on. I got mine on. Oh, okay. Okay, now I'm not hearing I was that. I was hearing echoes earlier, like before we started the show. It, it could be the vodka, because I'm drinking a lot of <laughs> No, 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 I, I heard the echo too now. Okay. But, uh, oh my God, when I heard Den of Thieves, uh, this totally, like, made me stop and pay attention to this album. Like, like give, like, a deeper attention to it. Because I'm hearing it, you know, I hear Me Against the World, Shock, Outcast. All very much uh, metal anthems. Kind of, you know, very much in the vein of Kiss. You know, or Alice Cooper, Twisted Sister. You know, you hear the gang vocals and all this. When I hear Den of Thieves... To me, I got traditional metal. I'm like, here's just some straight up fucking, like, yeah. I mean, this could be like a Judas Priest song to me. You know, it's like, okay, this isn't like, you know, uh, oh, one of us, one of us. You know, this is just straight up like metal. You know, which which you brought up, Aaron, you know, is weird in 87 because either you're a pretty boy and you're playing, you know, you know, fake, you know, you're, you're playing hard rock, dis, dis, you know, dis, disguised as metal, or, or you're doing full-blown thrash, but this is a straight-up fucking metal song in 1987, and I fucking dig Den of Thieves. I mean, this really made me stop and, like, I need to pay attention to this album a little bit more than what I was doing before, you know, because at first I'm like... Okay, I, I like it. It's catchy. It's this. It's that. And then when I heard this, I'm like, God damn, this is good fucking metal. You know, I loved it. Uh, big fan of this song. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, I love it. It picks up the pace. It's dry. It's a fast driving tune that keeps the ho- uh, killer hooky melodies, and uh, it's a great fucking track. Um, Den of Thieves is one of my favorites on here. Uh, probably my third favorite uh, on this album. Uh, I, I absolutely love this one. I'll take the title track, which is which is my favorite track on the album. Uh, the structure to the song is catchier than a mouse in a glue trap. Mm-hmm. Great, great verses, great chorus, great everything. It's a stellar track. One of his one of his best songs. Period. I love Visualize, and it's appropriate to name the album after this song because to me this song is the pinnacle of the album. But it still gets good after this. There's my second favorite coming up. What do you think, Aaron? Man, I agree. A-plus on this song. It's just amazing from beginning to finish. And then again, you know, you talk about the progressive nature of this band where it seems like there's a million twists and turns within this song. Like, it's it's like three or four songs blended into one. Right. And, you know, when you again, you look at Lizzie Borden on the outside, and like you were saying, 
you know, as far as what's popular in the 80s, Lizzie Borden is none of the above, but in some ways he's all of the above too, you know, so it's really a weird place to, to you know, say, what is this guy? You know, who is his audience? With a song like this, I mean, it's just so, so intricate and beautiful in a lot of ways. And uniquely written i mean this song really really speaks to the songwriting team of lizzie borden and gene allen who are coming up with these structures and these melodies and these songs that like visualize again you know twists and turns and ups and downs and you know you think the song's going to go left but it turns right and then but it all comes together perfectly i agree with ralph you know this is absolutely one of my favorite lizzie borden songs i mean it's it breaks away from just about any other other thing I've ever heard in metal. This is such a unique song. You know, honestly, I've never quite heard anything like it, you know, and if you're going to go out and listen to one Lizzie Borden song, just to give yourself a taste of where it can go, because there's so many different elements within this one song, I got to recommend Visual Lies. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, it is the best. I mean, for me, it's the best track on the album. Uh, I absolutely love it, and I, I, I love the play on the word visualize, visualize. Uh, you, you know, I think the cover is amazing for this album. Uh, and man, it just really makes me want to dig deeper in this band. Like, I really want to, like, go to Nashville and just, you know, like, squat in uh, the Decibel Geek Home Studios. You know, where, like, you know, Aaron comes out and says, okay... My wife said you can have this bucket to shit in, and here's a bottle of water. Just don't come to the main house. Stay out here and watch the the murder show VHS. <laughs> you know, like I would love to do that because, man, listen to this. I'm like, oh, it's so good. It's so fucking good. Like, how did I miss this band? I mean, this is one of those songs kicks in. Like, damn, you know, this is this is bad on my part for not getting this the first go around. Uh, it makes me want to dig deeper. And again, like when we're done with this, I, I want to talk to both of you about where I should go, uh, you, you know, in my next Lizzie Borden listening. Because I really, really like this song, man. I mean, it's like, oh, you, you know, it, it, it's a perfect bridge for that time and era. I mean, for 87, so weird, uh, you, you know, for something this traditional. Uh, yet weird at the same time. Uh, absolutely love it, and really made me uh, another one along with Den of Thieves. Like this is now to be taken seriously, not just a you know. It's a bunch of like you know B-rated Twisted Sister shit. It, this is some really good shit. I love Visualize, and then I go on the next song, which is Eyes of a Stranger. Holy shit, do I love this song. Right. A really, really fucking good... You know, at first I'm laughing when I see the title. I'm like, okay. Yeah, no, when I hear Eyes of a Stranger, I'm hearing Queensryche, you know? But I hear this one, and I was like, ooh, this is fucking good. And when it gets to the chorus, the chorus on this is amazing. You know, Eyes of a Stranger. I mean, it just makes... I mean... I'm 100% on board at this point listening to the album. I'm like, fuck, yeah! This is just rocking, you know, hard metal. And and, and it's weird because I, I have no concept or idea of what 
a Lizzie Borden show is. Because I don't know, because I don't know the videos. I don't know, uh, you know, what he does live. But hearing this, you know, the audio of this, I was like, I can only imagine what this guy could do to this song. And wow, man, this one really blew me away. One of my favorites on the album. I love Eyes of a Stranger. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, it's another great tune. Has that Me Against the World vibe to it. And, and, and a great example why why Lizzie Borden was grossly underrated back then. I feel his image hurt him. Because by this time, Twisted Sister was a joke. And his image really wasn't that far from them. And it's a shame because he had great music to offer. That's why he, he has this uh, rapid cult following with those who listen to music with, with our ears. I mean... Uh, there's this guy that comes on my radio show every week. His name is Travis Hall. Just about every week, he asks for Lizzie Borden. You know, he's a total Lizzie Borden nut, you know? And, uh, dude, this shit blows away all the pretty boys at that time. While Crew was releasing crap like Girls, 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 uh, this went unnoticed. If this was a Crew album, it would have been heralded as one of their best today. Oh, totally. Period. Period. If, if, let's say... Let's switch it. You know, let's say fucking instead of Girls, 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 uh, Motley Crue released this album. You know, Eyes of the Stranger would be a mainstay on a fucking, on a set list. As, as well as the Me Against the World and uh, the, the title track. Um, it, it is, uh, it's amazing. This is a great, great, great song. Uh, my fourth favorite. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. What do you think, Aaron? Man, I love it too. This has got to be one of the greatest rock songs of 1987 right here. It's got, you know, it's it's got what it needs for everybody to, that would have heard this song in 87 that was fans of Crew and bands like that would have heard that and loved it. I don't understand why nobody heard it. Like Ian said when we started this off, talking about the uh, Decline movie, what if they would have done Eyes of a Stranger instead oh, yeah. of what they did? Well, how much different would the trajectory off of that have been for a band like Lizzie Borden. Well, you know? well, well, it was the 80s, and Lizzie Borden doesn't look like Vince Neil, so maybe it wouldn't have. If he, he looked just like he did on Decline, yeah, but, it would have but, but, went over people's heads. But I, I, I think a stronger song like this, other than doing, you know, a half-ass cover of Born to be Wild, which is a song, it, it's one of those universal songs. Okay, everybody, yeah, I like it. But, I hate that fucking song, but, but you know, I, you know I've what always I mean? hated it. But the, the point's been made. You know, you've heard a million times. I think if Lizzie Borden did one of their originals, I really do think it would have helped them. Oh, it would have helped them, but it wouldn't have blown up like Motley Crue because he doesn't look like uh, early Vince Neil. Right. It's just it, the way it was in the 80s. Dude. Right. You know, right. it's sad, but it's true, you know? Right. But, I mean, you can't just can't beat this song you know if you're if you like ozzy or you like dio or you like maiden or priest or any of these bands of this era this song stands toe to toe with the greatest of all the songs written at this time musically and, uh, it's it's above most of it too yeah M- musically a lot of like you know the, the the popular stuff uh at that time this this was you know most of it uh it was better than most of shit that you would turn on it and see on mtv Definitely. I agree with that 100%. Yeah, yeah, musically, this shit's a fucking masterpiece. Awesome. All right. That's well, Aaron, why we're here today talking about this thing. Fucking A. Well, Aaron, why don't you take the next one, Lord of the Flies? 
Well, this is one, again, you know, and I've talked about the, the progressive elements of this band, you know, being something. I mean, because, I mean, when you look at the Lizzie Borden band, yeah, they're glam. Yeah, they're arena rock. Yes, they've got some progressive elements to them. There's elements of thrash in some of this stuff. You know, it's it's so hard to pin down exactly what they are. But this song, to me, when I listen to this, this is the greatest Queensryche song I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> or flies. It's almost like Lizzie Borden met Jeff Tate one night in L.A. at the Whiskey and thought, this guy's a douchebag. I'm going <laughs> to write a better song than he could ever write. And to me, track number seven off of this album is the greatest Queensryche song I've ever heard in my entire life. Right on. Yeah, nice. this, this is my second favorite song off the album. Uh, it's fucking amazing. A, a bit different from all the other songs on the album. And that's yeah. why I love it so much because it's a, you know, it's, it's just another shade of Lizzie Borden. I love that fucking verse. It's so fucking cool. The structure to this amazing vibe to amazing lyrics with such a great vocal melody. I can't love this song more than I do. I, I, it's like I said, my second favorite song on the album. I love Lord of the Flies. What do you think, Ian? Uh, well, this is one that I'm so uh, thankful that that I do what I do. Give it multiple listens, especially when it's a a new album to me. And this was a new album to me uh, because initially I, I looked at my notes and I was like, "Eh, it's okay, but it's a filler track." But I kept listening to the album over and over and over, and then I was like, "Oh my god, this song." went from being what I initially considered a filler track to one of my favorites on the fucking album. Like, I really, really got into this song. And, uh, and you know, like like with any, you know, true album, you, you know, there's something that you love. Like, initially, there's the one song that you, like, really love. It could be the single. So you, you, you heard the single. It caught you. You bought the album. That's the one like you keep listening to on repeat until you get sick of it. But then later, you play the whole album and another song becomes your favorite. And normally, that's the ones that stick with you a lot longer than the single. This is a prime example of that. Because what I initially wrote off as filler, I this is now one of my favorite fucking songs. And the chorus is totally infectious. Uh, I really really love this traditional metal to me at its finest i love lord of flies all right uh ralph what do you think of the next one boyer i'm watching you uh my least favorite uh not a bad song but it is a filler uh for me just think the structure of the song was used on this album already and done better but regardless of its flaws it's it's still a good song i would not skip like we were talking about the, the, the um, Get Your Wings. This is one of those albums that's meant to be listened from start to finish. Yep, I agree. And and even though this song may not be as good as the rest, it's not a skippable tune. You know, I, it's just there for me. But uh, if I had to pick a least favorite, it would be Voyeur, I'm Watching You. But again, I can't say it's a bad song, but uh, compared to all the other songs on here, uh, I don't think it matches up quite as well. Uh, what do you think, Aaron? I think Metal Blade came to Lizzie Borden and said, you know, man, you need a love song. 
that's what's missing on this album, a love song. Look at look at Bon Jovi, they're living on a prayer. Look at look at Kiss. They've got a they've got a reason to live, you know. You, you gotta have some kind of romance on this album. And Lizzie Borden says, Well, I'll give it my best shot. You know, I'll be as just as romantic as I can be when I write this song. And the closest he'd come up with is Boyer, I'm watching you. So Yeah, you know, know he took a page out of Sting, uh, every breath you take. Right, yeah, there you go. And so it's yeah, it's not the best track on the album, but I mean, look what it's standing up against. You know, there's so many great songs on this album. It's you know, it's still a great song. It still rocks. I love it. I think it's great. Not my favorite on the album, but still a damn good song. Yeah, it's uh, possible. What do you think? Uh, uh, well, again, this is one that I initially kind of like wrote off. Like, oh, the album's kind of taking a dip. But the more I listened to it, I was like. I, I loved it more and more. Uh, would it be my least favorite? I think that's fair to say. But at the same time, uh, spoiler alert for the next song, I love every song on this album. Yeah. You know, and uh, it, it's one of those ones where I really don't think there's a bad song. Yes, this is what I would consider an album track. Uh, you know, they're probably not going to throw this out live, but, you know, I'm listening to... Uh, Boyer, I'm watching you, and I imagine myself like jerking off in front of Harvey Weinstein trying to get a movie role. You know, I, I was like, I, hey, I'm cool with that. You know, like whatever you got to do. You know, you got to sell well, it. You got to well, sell were, it. You know, you were kind. You were kind of young. You, you had to do this Kevin Stacy thing back then. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, but it's just, it's just you got to see the big picture. Um, uh, no, I, 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 I dig it. I dig it. But uh, like I said, in, first listen to me was a definite throwaway. Now it's not a throwaway. Would it be my least favorite track? Probably. But again, uh, least favorite track on an album where I love every fucking song. I mean, I'm really excited about this. I mean, sometimes, you know, when we're doing reviews... I load it up on my phone so I can listen to it at work. Uh, and then once the review's over, I take it off, you know, my phone. I, I take it off the playlist. This is one I'm going to leave in my playlist. And I want to add more Lizzie Borden to my uh, to my playlist because of this. Uh, I don't think it's a bad song. It's just, yeah, as you guys, it, it's one of the lesser tracks, but it's still... I think it's a really good fucking song. I really fucking dig it. All right, Aaron, why don't you take the last track, which is Visions. All right, this is one I think is a great way to end the album because I think it's the heaviest song on the album. It's got that hard driving, just punch in the face, you know, aggressive, like you say, a, a vintage classic metal song. You know, it doesn't quite match up with anything else on the album. But, you know, none of these songs really match up together, but yet somehow they all come together perfectly. This is a good way to end it all with a bang. I was watching some footage. It, there's some footage on YouTube of Lizzie Borden playing in 88. It must be the Visualize tour. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, what I was watching was in Japan. They do some pretty cool stuff for this song. And if you get a chance to look it up and, and check it out, you see what a front man Lizzie Borden really was. Obviously, you look at him, you've seen the video for me against the world. You know he's outlandish. You know he definitely stands out. But 
to see this footage of them in Japan is pretty great because like this song starts out and he's got an axe in his hand and he puts the sharp runs the sharp edge of the axe across his mouth and then he's spitting blood like Gene Simmons style and it's running all down his chest and then he's singing the song and he's doing crazy eyes and grinding his teeth and you know it's it's really cool and you can hear the oohs and the ahs out of the audience as he's doing all this stuff and he's got them all in the palm of his hand this is a great song the visual that goes along with it when they're doing it live is just killer you know it's really it ties it all in together as an album as a whole what makes me love this band so much and why i was into this so much when i was younger because like i said it had a it it had a little bit of everything i liked but was also in a lot of ways different from everything that i liked and so it was this perfect storm of you know yeah i like this and i like that but somewhere in the middle here lizzie borden fits in and like you said no, none of my friends were into Lizzie Borden. You know, they were all into right. Crew and Guns N' Roses, Metallica, stuff like that. Of course, Bon Jovi's bigger. Everybody's into that at this time. But nobody really knew Lizzie Borden. I think I was the only real Lizzie Borden fan I knew. And then all these years later, I get to do the Decibel Geek podcast, and I come to realize there are other Lizzie Borden fans out there, you know? And they're not... It's not like this band or him or he became a household name, but clearly the man was an artist, you know, with a vision and a songwriter, you know, bar none. This guy came up with some amazing lyrics on this album and a lot of his other stuff. You know, the the lyrics are, they're not superficial and cheesy. You know, there's like, you look at something even like Boyer, I'm watching you. That's on the surface, that seems superficial goofy cheesy you know some kind of something you'd expect out of an 80s song but then you listen to it and musically it's deeper lyrically it's way deeper than some of the garden variety hits that you were hearing coming out of hard rock bands at this time and so what you get with lizzie borden is something that's so special and so unique that only a select few of individuals were able to have the I guess the capabilities, the capacities to be able to hook into something like this and go, yeah, that's awesome. So for the three of us sitting here, and I know I'm in really good company, and I know that Tim, who recommended this album, has got a terrible taste in music. Hey, if you love Lizzie Borden, consider yourself amongst the elite, you know, the special people that really can connect with this album and this band and this music because it's really really good like you say there's not a lot of perfect albums out there where you can say you know what every single album every single track on this album is good i wouldn't skip a single one this that's a short list for me of albums like that but this is definitely one of them not a weak track on the whole thing starts with a bang ends with a bang love everything in between i can't recommend this album enough to people I mean, Lizzie Borden visualized if you don't have it, you should get it. And if you've never heard it, as soon as we're done here today, you've got to go check it out for sure. Oh, yeah. And while, while you were listening to this, Chris Inzak was listening to Honeymoon Suite. <laughs> True story. True story. Oh, boy. Bradley, what do you think of uh, Visions? Yeah, great way to end the album. It has that winning, chugging riff. The melodic mid-tempo rockin' tune. Uh, 
it's a great standout track. Another one, I mean, I don't know, it's hard to pick, like, you know, put these in order, but it's, one, again, one of my favorites on here, and uh, what um, Aaron was saying earlier, you know, like, who was it that asked for this album? Tim Bream. That, Tim, that you met at the uh, yeah, Ace Yeah, yeah, Tim show. Bream, I met him at, yeah, at Ace. Uh, yeah, you see, uh, Aaron made a great point, you know, it's like, Dude, anybody that knows Visual Eyes and knows Lizzie Borden is kind of like one of those people that was not spoon-fed, you know? They kind of look deeper into, hey, let me see what's going on out there, you know? And like, uh, and, and it's really cool that, that he asked for this album. And um, yeah, it, it, again, you know, Lizzie Borden is, you know, and, and it's an underdog type thing like Armored Saint, shit like that. It's like these these bands that you listen to back then. You're like, God, this is so good. Yet nobody knows about it. You know, it's such a hidden gem. And uh, I'm glad Tim asked for this one because this is, you know, I mean, I, I I'll be honest. You know, I I had to revisit this album, though I always listen to it on shuffle. Like I'll hear, you know, Lord of the Flies come up or Visualize come up on my on my iPod shuffle because uh, even though I do own the vinyl, but ever since like I listened to this album again. For this review uh i've been listening to it a lot i listened to it like two days ago uh you know I, I took my shuffle off my ipod and it just played this album when i was going to uh that, that show last week the black Sabbath show uh tribute show and uh it's a great great uh last track on the album and i love that chugging riff man that riff is a fucking winner man it's my favorite part of the song but the whole song's great you know what do you think man? uh I, I love it, and this is one of those, like, you know, on my initial listens where I thought that the album kind of started to taper off with uh, Lord of the Flies and Voyeur, uh, which I changed my opinion on. I always thought that this is a good song to end the album. And uh, it just kind of had an epic feel. You know, by epic, I mean, it, it's not like fucking Victim of Change is epic by any means or something like that. But it just has this good vibe and mood you know to end the album and i've said this once and i've said it a gazillion times my favorite song to end an album is one that leaves you wanting more mm. to you know to when the album's over either you want to restart this album or you want to hear more songs from that band and this is one of those songs we're like oh that's good yeah like i get what they're fucking doing here and uh you know, and, and again, it, it comes from a great place, you know, called the 80s, where, you know, before CDs were really prevalent, you get like nine or ten songs, and it's over. You know, God, you get into the 90s, and, you know, they throw on every song that they had a demo of, or, you know, all this shit. Albums are totally overstocked. You know, this this is one that's all killer, no filler. Yep. You know, kind of just throw it at you. And, uh, man, I, I really like this. And it really makes me want to watch uh, the Murder Rock show, VHS, that you guys are talking about. But it, it's, it's funny because I really want to watch it. But then I'm thinking, like, that live album was done very early in their career. So none of these songs right. are, are on that album. Uh, these songs that I love so much, uh, it's earlier in their career, but really this is the only album by by Lizzie Borden uh, that I know, so it's like, 
yeah, again, it would be like watching something with with an open mind and with open ears, because this is all I know. But I want to know where to go from here. So while I want to say I love this album, I want to ask both Ralph and uh, I'm going to throw it to you first, Aaron. Um, after this album, where do you suggest I go in the in the uh, Lizzie Borden catalog? You know, as a, as a fan, what, what do you I guess think? I would I would recommend probably just to go to the beginning and start from there and work your way forward. You know, and you know, give them the axe has got some great songs on it. You know, the that song is killer, and the song Catch Your Death is really awesome off there. Love You to Pieces is a killer album. The Terrorizing EP's got some really cool stuff on it, and then you know, from there, even Master of Disguise. I don't know it. It's it's not to me as strong as visualize, but it's not bad. I See, mean, that's, something that's one of those ones where I've, I've heard different stuff. Like some people say master of disguise is a masterpiece. And I've heard other people say like, Oh, that's where they lost me. Uh, so, so it's interesting to hear your input on that. So for, for, for you, uh, master of disguise was a little bit of a drop off. I think just a, just a little bit. I still love it. I still think it's a great album. It's just not quite as strong as Visualize. And like I said, you know, you go back earlier in their career, and there's choice songs throughout those first few albums and EPs and stuff that came out that are just mind-blowingly good too. But as if I if I could only choose one Lizzie Borden album. I'd have to go with this one. I'd have to go with Visualize, but even though there's there's choice selections on everything else, including some of the newer stuff he's done, I think his most recent album came out in 2007. And yes, Appointment with the Devil. It still sounds good to me. I like that a lot. And I read something not too long ago that Lizzie Borden was in the works for something new coming out, a recorded album. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that and always kind of trying to keep my eyes open for some news on it. But I haven't heard anything lately. But man, that would be great. All right. Well, Ralph, what do you what do you think? Where where would you direct me? Uh, as, I, as would, a, I, I would say go to. You know, per, personally, my second favorite is uh, Menace Society. But I think for you, I would say uh, either get give them the axe or uh, love it to pieces. Okay. One, you know, but but Menace Society, you should check that one out as well. Yeah, totally. Okay. I don't think there's any. Lizzie Borden that I wouldn't recommend. Like, I, there's not like, oh, that one Lizzie Borden album that really sucks. I don't, I don't think there is such a thing. Yeah, you know, as far as Master of Disguise, I should, I should give it another chance because I just heard it once or maybe twice back then, and I was like, oh, he's lost me here. But uh, maybe, maybe you know, I'll grow to like it if I, I listen to it again. You know, but oh. he did lose me after that. All right, well, Tim Bream, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, this album was released September 15th. I'm, I'm sorry, September 5th, 1987, which, I mean, really, you got to put that in perspective. This is in the middle of uh, the Bon Jovi era yeah. that, you know, that, that some, this metal was put out. So that's absolutely amazing. And this has inspired me to check out more uh Lizzie Borden and and I thank you all uh, both of you for your uh, suggestions on where I should go and this album went Cubic Zarconia which means it sold like five copies uh, back in 1987 
But uh, I, I, I'm proud to have one of those, and uh, I hope our listeners go back and check this out. Because it's one of those, much like uh, we did another fan-picked episode that was Iced Earth. And Iced Earth was one of those bands where, like, you know, I should be into them, but I never got full-blown into it. And then when I listened to the album, it was so fucking good. It was so fucking good. And I got to say, in hindsight, uh, Dr. Fuck told me, check out the re-recordings of those songs with, you know, their classic vocalist, Matt Barlow. Uh, uh, Dr. Fuck, you were right. It sounded even better with the other guy. Uh, But it's one of those, like, wow, how did I miss this? And it pissed me off because the, the fans that listen to this show, it's like, uh, these lesser-known albums, sometimes they don't tune in as much as they tune into like, the Kiss episodes. Like, we could do anything Kiss, and it fucking, you know, the, the listens are through the fucking roof. You know, and it just, goddamn, if we could grab those same people to give these other albums a chance. Well, we'll would... grab a few, so fuck everybody else. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I mean the fuck... best for losing. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck them if they don't listen. But but I mean, I just want to implore other people like, hey, give shit. You know, even if you don't like the the band, you know, you know, we've always got great jokes, great stories, stuff that we tell that makes it a worthwhile episode. And hopefully, we can persuade you to listen to the album. But you know, it's one of those like we did sabotage all the Mountain King. And uh, the numbers were not that great, but the people who did listen that weren't fans were like, oh, fuck, now I love Sabotage. And I hope this happens with Lizzie Borden. I hope people give this a fucking chance. I think I'm going to have to put like, hey, by the way, Aaron Camaro's on this, so people listen, (laughs) you know? Uh, Because that that might be the only way, you know? Like, Aaron Camaro's on this episode, and he also gives away a million dollars, you know? Right. Listen. Um, it's a million dollar bill with a yes. picture of Lizzie Borden on it. Aaron, I I thank you, I thank you so much. And and once again, you know when when this came up, and I know from being a, a loyal listener of your show, what this band means to you. Uh, I knew we had to have you on this, and I thank you so much for for making time to do this. Uh, means a lot to me. Means a lot to Ralph. And once again, we want to thank you for. The hospitality you showed us when we were in Nashville. We cannot wait to do it again and to hang out with you. And and I, I want to say it's going to be even dirtier the next time. And Rock and Ron Running is not allowed to film the next time. Because, you know, <laughs> there, there's going to be strippers next time. Yeah. You know? it, 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 yeah. I love that. And Ian's mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because she's going to get a paycheck. Um, but uh, but no, no, seriously, Aaron, uh, dude, I, I love you so much, and I thank you and Chris for everything you guys have done for us, and you know for guesting on this and the Rock and Pod Expo. Uh, it, it's a big deal, and it's an honor to have you here. So thank you. 
Well, man, yeah. you know, coming on this show to me is an honor. You know, and it's I consider you guys both good friends. You know, we we just kind of knew each other through this whole podcasting thing, and then actually got to spend quality time when you guys were in town. And you know, I love both you guys. I had so much fun hanging out with each of you and all of us all together here on that that crazy Sunday morning, trying to come back. It's <laughs> bringing us right back up. <laughs> it's very yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. It's very unfortunate because I hate both of you. <laughs> but hey, you all love me. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. But uh, yeah, you know, and like I said, I couldn't turn down the opportunity to come on here and talk some Lizzie Borden because, you know what? It's like you say, isn't that kind of what we're all trying to do? Are we trying to show the world that there's some validity in this kind of music? Or isn't that our goal deep down? You know, we've been doing yes. it since kids, just trying to turn people on to great music. Hey, you should listen to this. You're feeling down? Listen to this. You need something to lift you up? Listen to this, you know? And so this is a great opportunity to do that. It's a great opportunity to do it with. I know we do the uh, Albums Unleashed series on Decibel Geek, and we've always talked about, like, albums that we'd love to do. And the original idea was, you know, let's pick perfect albums. Well, that's hard to stick with perfect albums, but right up at the top of my list, man, if I could get Lizzie Borden himself or even Gene Allen or one of the other guys to come on the show and do an Albums Unleashed on visual with us that would be that would be a big check mark off my my must do list and, sure. and joe and joe holmes is worth mentioning this is the only thin lizzie album with joe holmes who i saw play guitar for david lee roth on the little land enough tour yeah, uh which I, an album and and i well no he didn't play on the album he played on the tour i thought he played uh, on the album too no no, no, no! It was Steve Hunter and uh, was it? What's the kid who's got the fucking disease? Jason Becker. Jason and by the Becker. way, by the way, Ian, you said Lizzie, uh, Thin Lizzie, instead of Lizzie Borden, which uh, the only album Joe Holmes played with Lizzie Borden was Renegade. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> Lizzie Borden. Anyway, my bad. And by the way, if you wanna, and, and what what Aaron was talking about, you know, if you want, uh, we're trying to turn people on. Uh, every Thursday night on that metal station, I play shit like Lizzie Borden and shit like that that you might not know about. So check out the Dr. Fuck Show, 8 p.m. Eastern on that metal station. Thank you. Yes, and I play stuff like Thomas Dolby on SoundFireRadio.com. Yeah, man, if you want, yeah, if you want to discover uh, genres outside of metal that you may not know of, uh, check out Ian's show because I thoroughly enjoy it. And you know me, I'm a fickle motherfucker. Yes, and uh, and, and you've enjoyed it. I'm all about Wadzilla World, dude. Thank you. On Sound4Radio.com, 11 p.m. Central. I mean, 11 a.m. Central to... uh, no Central uh, or Eastern? Or, (laughs) fuck, I don't know. 10 p.m. Central. No, it's... 10 a.m. Central. Is it? Because I I tuned in at 11. No, it's 11 uh, Eastern. Just listen to me. I'm not drinking. 11 11, 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturdays is when his show comes out. All right, well... I'm I'm thoroughly fucking drunk, so let's go into pick of the week. And Aaron Camaro, you are our guest of the week. So, what is your pick of the week that you would like to turn our listeners onto? Oh shit, I forgot all about this. Now I'm on the spot. Let me think. What have I been listening to lately? Ooh, I just got something in the mail the other day. Uh, Deep Purple in rock. A song on there called Black Knight. The one I Ooh. got is the anniversary edition, and Black Knight's the last song. Oh, great song. Freaking killer. Oh, great man. Great album. Things where you're going to hear that and you're going to be like, I've heard this before. 
You know, and then you're going to listen to it and be like, holy shit, I need to listen to more Deep Purple. Oh. Yeah, and Rock, my favorite Deep Purple album. It's it's yeah. amazing. I, You know, I've heard it before, but I've never actually physically owned it. I was like, I have to get this on CD. I got to add it to my, because I'm trying to complete my Deep Purple collection now. Because, you know, you talk about bands that, you know, you never really got into and you feel like you missed out on something. That's totally Deep Purple for me. I always saw that as all, that's my, my dad's old time rock and roll band, you know. And as I've gotten older, I'm I'm completely just enamored with Deep Purple. I love every aspect of it, and this was cool to be able to sit down and listen to that whole thing. That's a killer album, and I really love that Black Knight song. Oh, hell yeah. All right, Ralph, do you have a pick of the week? Yes, I do. Um, Because of uh, the Lizzie Borden episode, uh, I want to pick something from how I discovered Lizzie Borden was a Metal Massacre 4. And uh, that was a standout track. And there's also another standout track. I mean, Trouble was on the album, but Trouble's kind of well-known. And, and a great, great track on there, too. That's how I discovered Trouble. But uh, another, and Thrust, another great band. If you don't know Thrust, they're cool. But I want to I wanna pick this one. It, it's a very special band from Chicago. Uh, they're called Etro, but it's, it's spelled Z-O-E-T-R-O-P-E. Um, uh, just talking about this band on Decibel Geek when we were talking about our Chicago rock bands. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, yeah uh, you want to talk about a fucking, like Lizzie Borden, fucking amazing, underrated fucking band. Even more underrated than Lizzie Borden because I don't even think they were. They were on Combat, I think. Or maybe not. I can't They're, remember. But I do own the album. I remember. To pronounce. Too hard to What's sp- that? Their name was too hard to pronounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pronounced Etro. But it's, it's, and the only reason I know that is because that show, The Metal Shop, because I used to always tell every, everybody, you ever heard of Zotrope? <laughs> and that's how I always tell everybody. But it's actually pronounced E-trope. Wow, we were and, called Z-trope. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually pronounced E-trope. Or, or the guy from that Metal Shop fucked up. Uh, but um, yeah, they, uh, I, I'm picking the album Amnesty. Uh, oh, actually, I remember it was on Combat Records. It's a combat record thing that I bought back right when I heard this. I, I, I picked up uh, I picked up Love to Pieces, and I think I found Etro first. And uh, it's their, I believe it's their debut album. It's their first album called Amnesty. It fucking rules. You got to hear, like, uh, uh, Kill, the, Kill the Enemy and, and the title track and Break Your Back. There's a lot of great fucking songs from start to finish. It's a great fuck. Tripwires. Oh, my God. The whole fucking album fucking rules. So that is my pick of the week. E-Trope with Amnesty. Z-O-E-T-R-O-P-E. I believe it was 1985 release. And you have to spell it every time you tell somebody about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, my pick of the week is not an album, uh, but a podcast. And the podcast is the Decibel Geek Podcast. I've heard uh, of this. Yeah. No, I haven't. No, <laughs> no it, it's an amazing show. It is uh, the second podcast. Well, actually, the first podcast I've ever heard in a podcast form. Uh, when uh, Ralph and I were starting Rock and Metal Combat, I wanted it to be a YouTube show. And he goes, no, no, it's got to be a podcast. And I was like, okay, well, you're the star. I'm on, I'm on your coattails. We'll do whatever you say. That's uh, right, bitch. Yeah. Um, 
But I was like, oh, no, fuck that. People aren't going to listen to this shit. You know, they, they, they want a visual thing. And and we do have certain fans that, that just watch our uh, visual shows that Ralph does an amazing job on. Right. But uh, the first one I checked out was uh, uh, Kiss Your Science Theater from Canada, which cool. I absolutely love. But then when I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to podcasts. Uh, I got to see what this podcast is about. The first one I discovered was Decibel Geek. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've talked, you know, in multitude about how much, you know, Chris Sinzak has done to, you know, to help us out and make this show what it is. Uh, but I got to give love to both you, uh, you know, Aaron and Chris for the amazing Decibel Geek podcast. And an episode I think people really need to check out. And that is the one where you talk to uh, Wagner about uh, Dada. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that oh. one, too. That was a great one. Yeah. Oh, my God. The great, what is it? Dick Wagner. Dick Wagner. Right. Uh, Dada. And and that's that's an, uh, an album. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a huge fan of Dada. Really? I, yeah. Oh, I, I love that album. That's I, my favorite of the weird era. Yeah, I, I I love Alice Cooper. I love Dick Wagner, and I, and I love you know I'm also a very huge huge uh, Lou Reed fan. So I love what he did with Lou Reed, like especially on the live album he did with Lou Reed. Uh, you, you know I'm a big fan of him as a guitar player and what he brings to the party. Uh, but you want to talk about a great podcast and a great episode. Um, is your interview with Dick Wagner talking about Dada. And, uh, you know, you guys got to become very good friends with Dick Wagner. And and then sad because, you know, right before Dick Wagner's death, you guys were going to do From the Inside, which uh, that's an album I absolutely fucking love. Yeah. I love that album. Uh, you know, but I'm like, I, I'm the opposite of Sinzak. And by that, I mean, I like to fuck women. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm all about the original Alice Cooper band. And and, and Sinzak loves more of the solo era. Uh, but you guys discussed an album, and it doesn't matter what my opinion is of the album. It's, it's the quality of the show that you two did with the great Dick Wagner on Dada. And... And to me, it, it, it's some of the best podcasting, some of the best interviews I've ever fucking heard. And that's the kind of shit that inspires me, you know, to do my best. You know, you know even, you know, what we do, you know, what Ralph and I do maybe conceived as juvenile to some and all that stuff. But we do our best to do a quality show. But to me, that it was an example of a really great podcast and a great interview so i suggest to everybody who's listening check out decimal geek podcast in and of itself but in particular check out the dick wagner uh dada episode because that is some exceptionary uh podcasting i love correct it. me if i'm wrong but didn't you have dick wagner again more than, yes. more than one yeah he was on a couple of times he was on yeah, first yeah. We just had just a general career discussion with him, and then we did the Elms Unleashed on Dada. You had Tom Warman, too, right? Uh, no. No? Oh. Oh, okay. My bad. 
No, but we were just talking about this on our 300th episode, and we were trying to figure out, you know, what was our favorites. And I always got to put the the Dada conversation with Dick Wagner up there as number one. I know it fluctuates. I mean, because I look back on so many different episodes we've done in different levels of fondness, but, I mean, that one was such an amazing experience. And then to get to know the guy, and I know I talked about this on that show we did on 300, but there was there was a moment in that conversation where he lit up with the realization that, you know, how much we really revered him. And I've always said that, you know, our interviews that we do aren't usually really interviews. And the ones that turn out the best are when everybody involved forgets that there's that little recorder sitting on the table. And that's what happened that day. Like we were transported to a different place where that little recorder didn't exist and we were just having a conversation, you know, and, and we really, you know, we, we take care to show these guys the, the respect that they deserve. And a guy like Dick Wagner for what he's done and for the person that he is, you know, when we're meeting him and spending time with him and talking to him and getting to know him, you know, is somebody that, like I said, should be revered and we treated him as such. And, you know, it was just so good in so many different ways. And the fact that it was Chris's idea to do the conversation on Dada to begin with. And I was like, I have no idea what that even is. You know, I've never <laughs> even heard this album. I had to go through the decibel geek link and order it on Amazon to be able to get it and hear it for the first time. And man, them first couple listens, I'm like, what are we doing here this is really really weird but then like like ian said you know when you get something new and you really want to give it a chance you listen to it a few times and you'll find that your opinions and your the way you're hearing it and the way the music's hitting you it, it changes it, it evolves you know the more listens you give and something you might have loved you know greatly the first time you heard it might end up being one of your not so favorites and one that you didn't like so much and didn't understand the first time might end up being your favorite song on the album and that's kind of what happened with Dada the more I listened to it the more I understood it I guess because that's such a a deep kind of a strange album that you almost you don't just jam on it you got to kind of get your head into it and then enjoy it from the inside somehow and he was able to guide us to be able to do that and now that's one of my totally favorite alice cooper albums and i'd never even really heard it at all ever before chris brought up to do that one so you know kudos to him for having the smart brain to say hey let's do something outside the box you know like you say when you're doing a kiss episode you're gonna get a ton of downloads when you're doing Lizzie Borden visualize or Alice mm-hmm, Cooper mm-hmm. Dada, eh, maybe not so much, but then it's not about quantity. It's about quality. And the people that are enjoying this with us here today are the quality listeners of the rock and metal combat podcast. You're the ones. Hell we love yeah, the most. Tim. You're the ones we love the most. You're the, you guys get it just like we do. Right. And, and, and again, I, I want to thank you so much for, for, for guesting on this episode and uh, you know means a lot I, I mean hey hey that, decimal Ian, geek hey okay. yes, I already sir. like you man you can quit kissing my ass anytime oh no I was, I was talking to Sinzak <laughs> but uh no, no, seriously no, man it's no. an honor to me and I love you guys a lot oh man I, I love well, you Ian too, loves bro. you too bro I can tell <laughs> But no, it's totally awesome, and he brought up a great point. 
you, you know, check out this lesser known shit because that is truly why we do this. Because you bring up like a, you know, an album that gets universal acclaim. Of course, everybody loves that, but we like to shine light on stuff that people might have missed, and uh, and 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 that's what it's all about. And you guys put on a quality show and have helped us out so much. Uh, appreciate it. And I cannot wait for Rockin' Pod Expo 2 so we can go on at uh, midnight or 1 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Don't book your uh, your rides out of town so quick next time so that way <laughs> we can spend a little extra time out here partying the next day. I mean, because we got the pre-party, you got the expo, you got the post-party, and then you got the real elite party afterwards. Yeah, this time bring hookers and blow. Come on, don't fuck around this time. <laughs> Okay, I was I'll, disappointed. I yeah, wanted hookers and blow. Yeah, well, I'm gonna bring the blow, but uh, you gotta pay for your mom to drive out there. I'm not paying for that. My mom, dude, my mom in Nashville, she's a spick, bro. <laughs> Take your mom. She's a she's a total uh, gummy redneck bitch. Oh yeah, you're right. White girls go for more in Nashville. You're true. Exactly. You're sorry. Exactly. <laughs> wow. They'll lynch her in Nashville. She's a <laughs> Things you guys learned in your short time here. I, I learned that if I took my mom to the Dukes of Hazard exhibit, they'd lynch her. <laughs> they took our germs. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, hey, fan of the week, man. Somebody oh, I met. Super oh, cool dude. Yes, sir. Super yeah. nice guy I met when I went to Melbourne to see Ace Fairly. Uh, spent some time with him. Cool dude. Gave me a CD. Uh, he's just a great fucking guy and uh, tell us more about him Ian. I, all I can tell you is I met him and it was really cool spending some time with the guy well, well, you're, you're luckier than me because I never got to meet Tim Bream uh, but he is a friend of my former roommate Gary Gunn they used to be in a band together and, uh, and, and, and this is a guy that never lost his passion for music even though he doesn't play anymore he still loves his metal he loves what we do, and uh, man, this is an incredible fan here because, you know, like most of the people that contributed, they're like, hey, we can't make the trip, but we love this show so much, uh, you know, and we're going to contribute and do whatever we can, and and that's amazing because we raised so much goddamn money for that expo, uh, but yet such a small portion of our listenership could make the actual trip. But uh, to me, that means even more. Like, hey, I can't do it. I'm not going to be there. But I believe in what you guys do. And uh, I'm going to contribute. And, and Tim, I thank you so fucking much, dude. I thank you so, so fucking much. Because this is something that I do, that Ralph does, that Aaron does. We do not get rich off this shit. We do this purely out of our passion for this music. But as the listeners, you share that passion uh, and you're willing to support and that's incredible and uh, this is our last episode unless uh, Scott Stein we're still waiting on Scott Stein but that's on him <laughs> but if there's anybody else who contributed that hasn't got their episode left let me know I think we're done now but you know what in like four months I know we're going to be raising money again because the expo did so well it did very well, and it's going to be even bigger next year. And I encourage our listeners, it, it, you know, if what you saw through the videos and everything, any of our fans that that come to this expo, we will bring you up on stage. We will give you the praise. We will give you the love. 
that you deserve because you are part of this family. And uh, once again, I'm going to lather Aaron Camaro's ass and thank him for being part of this because he is part of this. And we are part of a big fucking family that just does this for a love of fucking music. And, uh, and I thank you, brother, for showing up for this. Yeah, well said, man. And like I said... One thing I don't I don't know too much about Tim just just the fact that he uh, recommends Lizzie Borden and he goes to Ace Frehley concerts. And, yeah, and yeah, that's cool as hell. Yeah, and, and for good way of, to wrap this up. Yeah, those who don't know, Eric Camaro loves Ace Frehley so much. Your son's name is what? My son's legal first name is Ace. Hey, how, how fucking and, and awesome is that? Ruben De La Rosa. I love that guy. Named his son Ace after Ace Frehley. It's really cool because, you know, I always, when he was little, I said, you know, I'm gonna, I always said, I'm going to name my son Ace. When I, you know, if I ever have a kid, I'm going to name my son Ace. And then all of a sudden the day came where I was having a kid and he ended up being a son. And so I went ahead and named him Ace. And there was a little backlash from at first from my family. And I was like, look, you know, in this day and age, it's hard enough to stand out from the pack the way it is. I can imagine what it's going to be like when he's older. Having a name like Ace can only be helpful to him. You know, he'll well, never be Ace B. He'll never be Ace C because there'll only be one Ace. Well, uh, that, that's funny. I named my son Tommy Thayer because he's a common carpy of me. You know, <laughs> I I named my son Get Lost. <laughs> or at least that's what he thought yeah. his name was. Yeah. And well, then, that's the only thing I ever said to him. <laughs> and, and the kid I don't claim, I called Mark St. John because he likes weird porn, you know? So there you go. All right. Gosh. <laughs> All right, Bo, before we go into the plugs, and I will edit this out, um, I just want to say, Siznak, it was a pleasure having you, and get rid of that Aaron guy. He sucks. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he hears uh, that all the time. Oh wait! <laughs> no, just kidding. You rule, brother. And and again, uh, what Ian says, I mirror it. And I just want to emphasize again, uh, having us over to the Decibel Geek Squad, the, the Bat Cave, was so fucking awesome, dude. I had such a great time there. It was just, I was in awe of the place. It was like, oh my god, I want one of these. Yeah, but the only problem I having that, you know, it, it, if I was to make a rock and metal combat podcast place like that. I wouldn't invite Ian over. So what's the point of making one? Right. right yeah. yeah. I would run down the property value. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much, brother. All right. Well, I'm going to jump uh, off here. I got to piss. I got to take the dog in the house. All right. Uh, uh, I, 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 got to I hope the Packers are winning. Yes, they are. Oh, uh, nice. It's uh, 10-3 last I saw. Or no, 10-6 at halftime. All right. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, ten, next time you guys four. want to pick a kick-ass album to talk about, you just let me know. Oh, we hey, do, man, yeah. We do that every week. Well, well I know well, that. Yeah. Maybe, we'll get uh, a hold of you, and then we'll wait for you re- until you're ready for us. Okay. Otherwise, uh, maybe next time, just for fun, why don't you let me guys try to turn you on to an Ugly Kid Joe album? Oh, shit. <laughs> Uh-oh. Huh? Tell me Uh-oh. that wouldn't be fun. Uh-oh. All right. Well, we got donations coming up soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do a donation for Rocket Pod Expo too. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Great, great answer. <laughs> and actually, it's gonna be extra though. It's like the kid show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, right. Thank you so much, brother. It was a good time. No problem. Thank you, guys. Have a good All one. Right. All, All right. right, let's get into the plugs. Here we go. Ear Pillar. 
the podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's. Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten. And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday exclusively on YouTube. Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007... You've been getting podkissed, the Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podkissed. Every month, the podkissed crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulik, and you're listening to Podkissed. The Podkissed. The KISS Audio fanzine for your ears. Alright, this is the Ayatollah of Alcoholic, Ian Wadley, and I want you to listen to my brand new radio show, Wadzilla World, where I cover every era of fucking music that I like, and a few that you like too. Check me out every Saturday. 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on Soundphoria.com. I'll see you there. Hey, this is DJ Mac. I want to let you guys know about the podcast with my co-host DJ Metal Mike. Mind Over Metal. You can find us at MindOverMetalPodcast.com. We're also on Spreaker, iTunes, Podbean, and uh, just about everywhere else you get your fucking podcast from. Oh, yeah, and we're also on uh, YouTube. So check us out for the best in heavy metal and hard rock music news, discussion and reviews. That's the Mind Over Metal podcast. Download it, subscribe to it today. Hey, headbangers, you want your own radio show? Well, you got it. On Thursday nights here on that metal station, 
join me on the Dr. Fuck Show. Go in the chat room and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll mention your name. I'll say what you say. And we're going to go back and forth. And I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks. Then I ain't playing it because my show rules and only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Then they repeat it on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Well, no, no, fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. (laughs) Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes, or wherever you download your podcast. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Well, if you love that episode, and we know you did, uh, come back next week. But before we leave, there's something I forgot to do. There's something I forgot to do that's very important. And Are you going to kiss his ass some more? Come on. Enough. No, no, no. Well, kind of. Aaron Camaro oh. is, the, is the king of this. Uh, we have not had iTunes reviews in a minute. And, and one of my favorite things is listening to Aaron Camaro shame the Decibel Geek fans into leaving an iTunes review. So, Aaron, will you please shame our fans into giving us some iTunes reviews because you do it very well. Well, it's kind of tough, guys, you know, to be honest with you because, as everyone knows, nothing destroys me inside (laughs) more than when I see quality podcasters not getting their due or awesome through iTunes reviews. <laughs> and oh, I'm sorry guys, I it's just kind of tough because I've gone through it myself. So I know how it feels when you work so hard week after week, month after month, year after year. You put your time, your brain power, your sweat, you you put your families on the back burner. You you miss days at work just to provide quality audio entertainment over and over again for listeners. I just don't seem to appreciate it. 
And I know that's got to hurt especially hard for the oh, rock and metal combat podcast because, I mean, God, your quality of your episodes are so good. Why? Why wouldn't people leave iTunes reviews? Why? It's so simple. Well, I, I, th- I think I should come clean now. I, I tell people not to leave us reviews. <laughs> no, don't, don't cut them off. There was some Robert Shaw from Josh shit. I was loving this. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. It just it moves me. It 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 moves me deeply to see quality podcasts not getting their their due on iTunes because everybody knows the iTunes reviews are so important. I bet most of your listeners don't even know that the number of five star iTunes reviews for podcasters. That's what determines whether we get to go to heaven or not when we die. Okay? All right, All right Ian. We're going to hell, bro. That. Will you please leave Ian and Ralph some iTunes reviews? They're never going to get to go to heaven without these reviews. Hey, you say that like it's a bad thing. Right. <laughs> Hold on. You're going the wrong way with this, Camaro. You want to send Dude, these guys I, to hell? Give them more iTunes reviews. Hey, man, when I die, I want to hang with Bon Scott, bro. <laughs> you go up there with Michael Sweet. Oh, my oh, God. Man. Oh, this has been so awesome. And you think this is good. Come back next week to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.